You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. Hey, uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. You could not have picked a better Sunday to be at North Valley. You know, I say that all the time because when we gather together, God shows up, shows up in a big way. In fact, you want to anticipate God showing up. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we don't even prepare ourselves. You know, we, we get out of bed, roll out of bed, hey, it's Sunday, I got to show up and all that kind of thing. I am absolutely convinced that we look forward to anticipating God showing up, doing some amazing things. So whatever place you're at, wherever you're at in your own walk with God, I pray that today you move closer to Him. Whether you're outside and don't know Him yet, or whether you're moving to, to grow closer and closer to Him, I pray that when we leave here today, we say things like, isn't God good? Isn't He worthy of praise? God is bigger than I thought. Those are the kind of things that kind of bring us together and remind us about who we are. Now, a few weeks ago, you know, and I, I preached, what, every six, eight weeks or something here at North Valley. So this is my home away from home, and I just love it and, and love you, and I appreciate how you've embraced me and so on. Ryan uh, said, hey, listen, I'm, I, my parents' 50th anniversary, would you mind, uh, you know, kind of filling in? I said, of course, I love being here. And so... I began, you know, kind of working out, well, what is it, you know, that maybe God wants me to share, you know, and so on. And so I'd settled a few weeks ago on, on, on the first few verses of the book of Philippians, okay? And maybe the theme of joy, okay? Because I love, you know, and I'm a happy dude and all that kind of stuff. So all prepared, and then two days ago, my little dog died. Yeah, you know, I've done hundreds of funerals. And I'm telling you guys, I've been grieving these last two days big time. And I got to thinking as I was just doing some little preparation even last night, finishing things up, I thought, you know, God said, I'm going to school you on the very thing you're going to try teaching people. Because this is raw. And this is where we all live. Because you can all identify whether they've lost a dog or something, you know, more important, bigger, and all that kind of thing. We've all suffered loss. So looking today at Philippians, I titled the message, you ready for this? Joy matters. And it does. It matters for you to be healthy in your walk and understanding of God, to understand how joy is infused into who we are if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're not yet a follower of Christ, this ought to be the kind of thing that just brings you and said, I want some of that. You may be looking through the picket fence into other people's lives and say, I want what they want. Because have you figured this out yet? People are not looking for you to be perfect. They want to see, how does it work? How does this relationship with Jesus work on the day-to-day grind that all of us find ourselves in? So here we are, and we're going to look at this book in Philippians, and it's so awesome. It's one of my faves, and it may be one of your faves as well, because it is so practical, it is so positive, it is so personal that everybody can leave here with something and say, that was it. And by the way, I always say this, I always say this, God's got you here for a reason. It may be point one. And if after point one you say, oh, that's the reason I'm here, feel free to leave. (laughs) 
Hey, I got what I needed. It may be the handshake that somebody gave you as you were coming in here. It may be one of those worship songs. Oh, man, God showed up. That was it. That was the reason I'm here. But he's got you here for some reason. And when it happens, bing, 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 now I got it. So today, here we go in the book of Philippians. Because, By the way, Philippians is one of those books that's got so much richness to it, I just can't help but smile, even in the midst of grieving. So before we start, would you pray with me? Let's pray. Jesus, you are so good to us. We recognize that you are a good and awesome God. In the midst of grieving, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of problems, you are a good God, and we worship you and thank you. I pray that you might open up our hearts and minds to the things you have for us today, starting with me, Lord. Second service, I already preached this once. I'm praying it again, starting with me. And I just thank you in advance, and everybody said... Amen. All right. Well, here we go. Joy, rejoice, be glad. Did you know that it's found 17 times in four itty-bitty chapters? I mean, it's interesting, you know, how much joy and gladness is found in this book of Philippians and stuff. And I'm going to talk about this and give a few points. And after each point, I'm going to give you a key to joy. Now, here's the deal. I've been around for a long time. In fact, my wife and I, in January, celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary. So we've been around. You know, I, I'm old. I'm old. By the way, all the people I know that have been married that long, they are really old people, okay? They're just old. So I've been around for a while. And, and what I've found, you know, kind of an interesting kind of thing is that you will absolutely forget everything you heard as soon as you go out those doors. So write something down on your palm of your hand. Write it down on a piece of paper or something that you might refer to it later on. Okay? I'm just saying. Here it is. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Follow along with me. It'll be up on the screen, maybe on your device, on your, on your Bible. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. Oh, this is so cool. This is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Now, I think all of us in this room have figured this out. If relationships are bad, life stinks. Okay, we figure that. If relationships are strained, then at best, life is difficult. And if you have problems with people, it absolutely drains the joy out of your life. I, Peter Drucker, you know, you know, it's basically the father of American management and leadership, written over a hundred some odd books and so on. Did you know he said that the number one characteristic of a CEO, whether it's a big or small business, 
is that they enjoy other people. I'd, I never would have thought about that. But isn't that interesting that he said the number one characteristic of a CEO is that they enjoy other people. And my question as we even begin this is, do you enjoy the people around you? Do you love hanging with them and stuff? The people you work with, you know, the people in your family, the people in your church, the person sitting next to you, yeah? In fact, would you mind just turning to the person next to you right now and just look them in the eyes? You don't have to look deep in the eyes, okay? That's weird. Look in their eyes and just say, you're awesome. You're awesome. Would you do that right now? And if you're sitting by yourself, you can tell me I'm awesome, you know? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Really self-serving, but thank you. That's great. You know, the person you're married to, The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9, husbands or men, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. The problem is I find many marriages are more a matter of endurance rather than enjoyment. You know, it's true in marriage. It's also true in everyday life. Sometimes you just don't enjoy the people in your life. So with that kind of a background, let's take a look at what I'm going to call the four B's, letter B, four B's, okay, pulled right out of Philippians chapter 1, the four B's for joy. You ready for it? Here we go. First B, taking notes. Be thankful. Be thankful. It says in verse 3, it says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Now, this is crazy. This is crazy talk when you think about the question. Because what caused Paul to be so thankful? You know what it was? Bing, bing, bing. His memories. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you all. Now, isn't that interesting? The Greek word for, for, for thankful is the word eucharisto. In, in fact, if you come from a different discipline, maybe you, you know, in a moment we're going to take communion, and maybe, you know, that was your, you know, you take the Eucharist. Eucharist comes from the Greek word eucharisto, which means to be thankful. That's, that's actually what the word itself means. It's actually a compound word that's put together. The first part, the you part at the very beginning, means to be well off, to prosper, to do well. The second part comes from charis, which means grace. And it means to to give freely, to give favor towards someone, to forgive someone. You put that together. That is a really rich, robust, pregnant word with meaning. He says, I thank my God. I eucharisto my God in all of my remembrance of you. Now, here's the interesting point. The interesting point is this church that he's talking about, it wasn't perfect. North Valley ain't perfect. It's easy for me to say because I'm gone tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, it's not perfect. There is no church that is perfect. There aren't people that are perfect. Here's the deal. All believers struggle with sin. All churches fall short. Yet the Spirit of God caused Paul to dwell on what? All my remembrance. His focus was his memories, okay, on the good stuff that happened. You see, the church in Philippi is recorded and started back in Acts chapter 16. You may not remember the story. 
You know, Paul's there. He's in the city of Philippi. He's there by himself, really. He kind of left the missionary team, went there in Acts chapter 16. And when he's there, he runs into this lady named Lydia, you know, and, and he shares Christ. And, and the Bible says that the Lord caused her heart to open and to respond to the things spoken by Paul. She becomes a Christian. The early church probably started in her home. And then he runs into this, this uh, a slave gal, this girl, okay, and, and she's demon-possessed, and she's predicting the future, making money for her masters and stuff, and he casts out the demon. Well, all the people that were relying on her for money, they're all mad now. And so what do they do? They throw him in jail. So Paul now is unrighteously thrown into jail. And he's a Roman citizen, which was against the law to throw somebody in jail. And then there's an earthquake. I mean, come on. Bad stuff happened in the city of Philippi. But verse 3 says, I thank my God in all my remembrance. Oh, man, I love that. He had every reason in the world to not be thankful. Every reason in the world. And I love that. He chose to focus not on the painful memories but on those great ones. And just like my little dog, I'm driving here this morning, I'm just crying my eyes out because as I left the house, his little dish is right there. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to focus on some of these awesome things that when I've had the worst day in the world, I mean the worst day in the world, Jackson, my dog, would greet me with a waggy tail. So cool. Do you greet people with a waggy tail? If you do, you're weird. <laughs> but Paul says, I like to remember the good things about people. Focus on those times, those positive experiences. And my question is, what, what is it that you really remember about people? Chances are, you're normal. You think about the negative things. You know, maybe some of you in your past, you've been hurt by somebody big time. A parent, a teacher, a church, somebody in the church, business partner, and you're still holding on to that. As a result, you can't enjoy them now. And frankly, you can't enjoy life to the fullest either. Remembering the good stuff, come here, is a choice. It's a choice. Put on your big boy pants and choose to be thankful. Now, if any of you ladies who have had children or are pregnant and are going to have a child, I love singling people out. I understand that there is some little bit of pain that's associated with the process. <laughs> I've had four kids. I don't remember any pain at all, you know. <laughs> but my wife, if I asked her about it, she says, you know what? Five minutes after birth, I don't remember a thing. She went brain dead. Not really. 
It's just that the joy overwhelmed those hours of labor. I think that that's a thing to remember. In fact, the key to joy under this first thing is simply this. Remember the best. Forget the rest. Selective memory is a good trait. Now listen to me. Listen closely. I am not saying to deny the hurts that somebody gave to you. I'm not saying that you excuse weaknesses and, and, and so on and just well, I'm just going to stick my head in the sand. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying there's a choice involved in how you're going to live life. And if you want to live it successfully with a lot of joy, then make some choices just like Paul to be thankful. Maybe you've heard this before. Hey, I really like this church. But I really like that pastor. But my wife, he's a good man. But you know what I'm going. The thing that's interesting is anytime you hear that but attached to that statement ahead of time, it basically says your emphasis is on the negative, not the positive. I really love that church, but oh man, the way they do X. Oh, I love that pastor, but you know, this message he once gave once, and I'm just saying, this is really key. Be grateful. Be grateful. And like I said, I've been around a lot. And the older I get, the more I recognize how none of us have arrived. That's the deal. We're on this incredible journey. And churches are too. So be wise and be thankful and be grateful. By the way, did you know that Paul really appreciated loyalty? Loyalty is one of those values that is absolutely lost in our culture in our day today. It, it, you know, hey, I'm really loyal. Until something happens, well, at least I'm telling you, and honestly, I'm not loyal anymore. No, I'm telling you, this is a value that just isn't there anymore. Paul appreciated people's loyalty. Verse 5 says this, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. You know what he's saying? Paul was planting churches all over the known world. I mean, it was incredible. And look at all these things that I've done and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But he refers back, he says, but we were in partnership together. Thank you, man. Thank you. You're part of this thing that's happening. So I ask myself the question, who's been loyal to you? Maybe it's somebody at work, a friend, a husband, wife. Maybe you didn't do anything really very spectacular. But time and time again, when they had every opportunity to walk out, they didn't. They hung in there with you. You were going through a bankruptcy, a crisis at work, a change in careers. A phone that goes off at the wrong time. All those kind of things. And maybe just being a jerk. They hung in there with you. You and I need to appreciate that. They haven't left, and maybe they had some good reasons. If you want joy in your life, focus on that person's strengths, not their weaknesses. For some people, it'll take an enormous amount of creativity. I get it. But you can do it.
Second thing, if you're looking for the B, be positive in prayer. You want joy infused into your life? Be positive in prayer. Verse 4 says, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. There's a word that's used three times in one small little sentence. It is a Greek word, panta. And panta is, is used for always, it's used for every, it's used for all. It's a very inclusive kind of word. And by the way, how would you like the Apostle Paul praying for you? <laughs> you know, come on. How would you like Paul praying for you? Uh, this really jacks me up here. It, this really, I want somebody like that praying for me. Um, about seven years ago, um, I, I just got burned out. I mean, absolutely burned out. I went to Dallas, Texas and went through a couple of weeks of counseling and stuff. I had tons of people who were praying for me. And I'm actually, you know, it, it was one of these life-changing times for me. But I still refer back to all these people who were praying for me during that time. It was, it was an amazing, amazing time. So the key to joy is thanking God in prayer for people. Because when you do that, two things will happen. It'll change your attitude because prayer has a way of working on the prayer. And secondly, prayer matters, so it changes them and changes the situation. People may resist your advice. People may refuse our appeals. They may reject your suggestions but they are powerless against your prayers. Oh, that fires me up. You know, when somebody says, hey, I'll pray for you, man. First of all, I hope they do. But I found that many of us are very good at praying in a crisis. In between services, I got a, got a text from a friend who's up in Black Canyon City. He's preaching up there right now, and they just found out yesterday that... His wife's dad has got a very serious form of cancer. Just found out. Immediately texted him back and stuff. Hey, I'll be praying for you, man, and all, all those kind of things. It, it, this idea. So some of us, you know, we're pretty good at praying in a crisis. Hey, somebody's sick, somebody's got a situation, that kind of thing. But how about the normal day-to-day -day prayer life? Something here I think can really help fortify you and me. And it's spelled out in three verses, 9, 10, and 11. You ready? Let me read it. And this I pray. Paul, Paul's praying, okay? And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay, I've got a master's degree. I've got credits toward my PhD. I've got all these kind of things. When I pray sometimes, though, I revert back to my four-year-old self. I can't even put, you know, things together. Oh, you know, thank you, God. Thank you for the missionaries. See you. There's a robustness about what he prays here, and it has helped me in my prayer life. Because he prays four things for these people 
in Philippi. He prays, number one, that they will grow in love. And he uses that word, abound in love. Abound means to overflow. It is actually was used of a tidal wave. He's saying, I pray that your love, Philippians, is going to be like a tidal wave. It's just going to overcome people. It's going to be amazing. It means exceeding expectations. Did you know what that word is used? It's used in the Gospels describing the leftovers after Jesus fed the 5,000. When the 12 basketfuls were full, it was referred to in this, that it abounded with the food. Didn't that give you an insight? That's the kind of thing that Paul was praying for the Philippians. How would you love it? Look your honey in the eye and say, honey, I am, I am praying that you would abound, abound in your love. Second thing, uh, pray that they make wise choices. Uh, the phrase there is, approve the things that are excellent. If you've got kids, isn't that what you want them to do? When nobody's looking, when, when nobody's, you know, kind of behind them, you're praying that what? Oh, that they make wise and excellent choices. Isn't that a great prayer? Here's the third thing. Pray that they will do the right thing. In the words there are sincere and blameless, which are often used in a construct together referring to clear conscience. <laughs> I just love that. And fourthly, pray that they will live for God's glory, the fruit of righteousness to the glory and praise of God. You know, I, we don't know how long. I, I was at a wedding yesterday, and the couple were older. And as the groom was talking to the, the bride, basically said, Honey, we got a short runway. You know, it, it, they're older. You know, a short runway. And I had a chance to talk to him a little bit. I said, Hey, 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 you don't know how long your runway is, and I don't know how long my runway is either. The bottom line is, However long the runway is of your life and your marriage, let it be done to the praise and glory of God. Good stuff. Let me give you the third thing. The third B is be patient with people. This may be the hardest thing for all of us here in the room. I love the fact that Paul looked at people's future and not just their past. And I get so upset of politics, and I'm not going to talk politics or anything, but I've actually had a, a fanciful thought. You know, maybe I had to go into politics and see if we could change things. Believe me, I'm not, okay? Not going to do it. But one of the reasons I'm not going to do it is because I have a past. And inevitably, CNN would dig it up. <laughs> Paul looked at their potential and then was patient, listen, patient with their progress. Isn't that a beautiful picture? They're patient with progress. He says in verse 6, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul is basically saying, what God has started in your life, he's going to finish. 
He's going to finish that. Mankind, by the way, is a great starter, but usually a poor finisher. You know, we got unfinished symphonies. You know, if <laughs> I live uh, up in Desert Hills, you know, when you're going up I-17, you look over to the right and you see this unfinished building that's been there for the last two and a half years. You know what I'm talking about. It's a, you know, it's going to be a sports complex and the money ran out and all those kind of things. So it's over on the right. You'll see it all the time. We're great at starting things, sometimes not so good at finished things. Unfinished projects. Man doesn't always finish what he starts, but God finishes what he starts. That being said, the key to joy in this thing of being patient is this. God is not finished with people, so be patient with them. We need to be patient with people's progress. Allow for growth, for development. You know what? Paul could say, I'm not the man I used to be, thank God. But thank God, I'm not the man I'm going to be. Boy, that inspires me when I think about it. Years ago, this was back years ago, I used to wear a button. Kind of nerdy nowadays, but anyway, but wear a button. And all it had were letters on it. Okay, here are the letters. P-B-P-G-I-N-F-W-M-Y. And I'd wear that thing, and inevitably somebody would come up and say, hey, 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 what's your button mean? And I would say, that stands for please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. I think we all ought to wear one of those. We certainly ought to live it out. In your marriage, if you want to enjoy your marriage, you've got to learn to enjoy your husband, enjoy your wife right now and allow for growth and development. Otherwise, by the time they meet your conditions, you'll be too old to enjoy it, or you'll come up with another list of conditions when they get there. You've got to learn to enjoy them right now. Parents, if you're going to, you need to learn to enjoy your kids. You've got to enjoy the process. I know. I've got four kids. I've got 14 grandkids. I get it. I know. But enjoy it while they're growing. There is no such thing as a perfect kid, and there's no such thing as a perfect adult. And if you demand perfection of people in your life in order to enjoy them, you are going to be miserable every day of your life. Christian life, folks, is a process. We're becomers. We're growers. Enjoy people. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the journey. Verse 6, I'll read it again. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. On your device or if you have a paper Bible or taking notes, you've got to circle that word confident. Paul believed in God's power to change the human personality. He was confident of it. He believed that no person is helpless. And if you go into life, guys, if you go out on the street and you believe in there's no hope for this person or that person, you're done. You might as well bag it. And so that means, hey, I've been praying for this guy for 20 years. Keep it up. Keep it up. 
Hey, I didn't even talk about this in the first service. Do you mind? Is it okay? Can I share? Have you ever read that story? It's a parable. And it always just bugged me. It bugged me because I'm told this story about this guy who has a vineyard and he goes and hires a bunch of people. Remember the story? And, and he hires it. He says, I'm going to pay you, you know, a certain amount of money, okay? And then a few hours later, he goes and finds some more people and says, you know, you know, come on, you know, and I want you to work. And so they start working. And then halfway through the day, he hires some more people and they start working. An hour before he's done at the end of the day, he hires some more people. And at the end of the day, he all pays them the same amount of money. Doesn't that irritate you? Isn't that, you know, that irritates me. It's not fair. I worked all day and I get in the same, this guy only worked an hour. Have you ever wondered why that's in there in the scriptures? This has nothing to do with the message. I just feel like talking. You know what's in there? It's in there for you and me. It's in there to remind me that there are some people that you've been praying for for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years. And finally on their deathbed they say, I give up. It's Jesus and only Jesus. And they wonderfully come to know Jesus Christ. And some of us on the sidelines are saying, that's not fair. He lived his whole life and then he comes to know Christ and he's going to get the same reward that I got. God says, yes. Sorry. I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. God's promise. God's promise. The common mistake that we tend to judge people on the basis of how far they have to go rather than how far they've already come. Let me give you the last one. Be loving. Be loving. <laughs> I've discovered that if people are not on my heart, they're going to be on my nerves. That goes for spouses. That goes for teammates. That goes for kids. They get on your nerves if they're not in your heart. And the reason so many marriages are crumbling is that spouses are reacting to each other from their mind rather than from their heart. Guys, when your wife says, I feel depressed, will you do something? Will you listen to her? It's legit. When your husband says, I don't feel like this is the right thing we ought to do and we ought to do it this way, listen to him. Listening and loving from the heart usually will hear what's behind the words. The heart begins with understanding, knowing why they feel that way. I've shared this illustration before. I didn't even share it in the first service. You, you're getting all this extra stuff. And it's the story of uh, a guy who gets on a bus, minding his own business. He's just on the bus, and he's just hanging out and stuff, and they're going and stuff. And about three or four stops in, a dad and two young, very young kids get on the bus. And those kids are out of control. 
I want you to enter into them. They are crazy. They're hanging from the rafters. They're bothering everybody on the bus. They're loud. They're undisciplined. It's awful. And nobody's doing anything. And, and, and this guy who's sitting and, and observing this whole thing, he, he's getting more and more and more upset. And finally, he can't take it anymore. And he turns to the dad and he says, Man, would you control your kids? They are totally out of control. And the guy kind of comes to his sense and says, Oh, I'm so sorry. You see, we just came from the hospital. And their mom and my wife just died. I guess I was just kind of oblivious. I'm so sorry. Now, what just happened? You were all on my side at the beginning. <laughs> the guy's really awful. Come on, Dad. What happened? It changed. Because you began to understand. You don't know the whole story sometimes, and that allows us to be loving in the middle of difficult situations. Very hard to love someone you don't understand, and understanding makes them easier to love. A little phrase, if you care, you'll be aware. It says, for God is my witness, verse 8, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. The word affection is the Greek word intestine. It's the King James calls it bowels. And we think, boy, that's really gross. I love you with all my bowels. But it's not really too far-fetched. Because when you love someone, you love them from the gut. And when people are heart sick, they're sick because of their gut. The key to joy is simply this. It's the secret of enjoying the people in my life is to be filled with God's love. If you're filled with his love, it allows you to be loving like he's loving. And I used to get a visual picture of a, of a mug, of a cup. And I'm going to be filled up with God's love. I love Jesus. I've, I've made that decision to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. I love Jesus. And I just want to be filled up with his love. And it's spilling out. But I've come to realize there's a better picture. Instead of a mug, like you get back in the corner, imagine your mug, your life, more like a wicker basket. And imagine taking that wicker basket and dumping it into the ocean. That's a picture of how God's love needs to permeate and fill our lives. So where are you at? Where are you at? If you come to church and you don't ask the question every week, whether it's Pastor Ryan or me or anybody else preaching, you don't ask the question, so what? You're missing out. 
So what? What difference does this passage mean to you? Joy matters. It matters in your own enjoyment. It matters for the kingdom of God. It matters for the church. It matters for everything. So take the four B's, apply one or two of them to your life, and give God the honor and glory for it. You pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. Lord, you are so awesome. We love you. We love the fact that you, Lord, have watched over us. You continue to watch over us. You love us. You care for us. You've given us life. And God, even more than all of that, you've done these things that, that matter in us relating to other people. Lord, if relationships are bad, life really does stink. We want the relationship first with you to be sweet, and then we want that relationship with others to be equally beautiful. So Lord, I pray for myself as I did at the very beginning. Apply these principles of joy to my life today. As I'm grieving over little Jackson, apply the principles of joy to my life, to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.